The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Take Off with John Clark, brought to you by Rivers Casino. And we're talking Eagles-Chiefs Super Bowl rematch and a lot more with our special guest. Let's bring in the great Angelo Cataldi, 30-plus years in Philly radio, and he has a new book out, Loud. I guess that is very aptly titled there. (laughs) I got it right here, John. Thank you. Yes, Loud. I just thought, how well does that fit what the Phillies crowd was like in the playoffs, right? Isn't that the perfect word for it? Yes, uh, I basically in retirement, I did this book and now I'm trying to get out there and let people know it's available to them. Well, that's great. We're going to get into that in a second. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you about this big Eagles chiefs rematch coming up on Monday night football. And, you know, I was doing a show this morning with Mike quick and Ike Reese, and they sort of twitched a little bit when I brought up the super bowl loss. Do you still kind of have that like oh. post-traumatic super bowl issue? That was my last week at WIP, John, and um, I have developed such an anger and frustration at Jonathan Gannon because, I mean, I never liked his philosophy defensively. He just wasn't as aggressive as what I like to see in the Eagles defense. And in the second half with a gimpy Patrick Mahomes, he didn't do anything. They, They came up and down the field both quarters and they would have scored a fourth touchdown if the guy didn't slide down at the one and I, it's still sticking in my craw because i think the eagles should have won that one you know it's funny i don't think they should have won the one in 17 but i really think they should have won the one last season and it's still giving me a bad taste in my mouth and i would love to see them come back and make it all better this year interesting you say that because yeah you have a point they should have won that now the Chiefs you could say they are the better team but the Eagles had the 10 point lead in the game and it was their opportunity to win at the half Rihanna is singing and I'm singing with her I couldn't feel better up 10 and then it evaporates and it's like man there's got to be a way you can get to Mahomes He, he can't run well he's got a bad ankle Blitz, darn it, do something. And he it just seemed like he sat back. And now we find out he was already negotiating to get the head job at uh, in Arizona. And uh, um, he'll always be my number one. He passed Andy Reid, who I never liked. He passed Gabe Kapler with that last Super Bowl, the second half of the Super Bowl. John, I retired with more hatred in my heart for John Jonathan Gannon than anyone. Oh, you got to let it go in retirement, Angelo. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't, you know, I'm I'm in therapy now, John. Maybe I should double up and see you every week. <laughs> <laughs> so is Jonathan Gannon at the top of the list as far as the therapy yeah. sessions? <laughs> He's uh, I, the Dr. Fish. I see Dr. Fish and he says to me, you got to let it go. Just what you said. And I went, 
How can I let it go? I still see all those long passes. Nobody's covering them. We should have won. We should have won. Because let's <laughs> face it, in 17, that was the best thing that ever happened in my 33 years on WIP, John. And and I just, it made me want it again. You know, I thought we were going to get it. Yeah. Now you see this Eagles team, eight and one again, and they're facing the Chiefs Monday night football. The Eagles are underdogs for the first time. But when you watch this Eagles team and you see the rest of the NFL landscape, do you have that feeling in your gut that this can be the year and will be the year? No, I no. don't. I, I, um, they're 26th in the league right now in pass defense. How are you going to win a championship if you can't cover the pass? And you're seeing what I'm seeing. The games are all televised. These guys are wide open. And I'm not positive. I, I, I realize they're not great in the secondary. But they still got a formidable defensive line. And they got to get through more. They got to give the quarterback less time. You can't have a Sam Howell throwing 24 for 26 in the first half. John, if you don't have the guys to cover, then use the guys you got to get to the quarterback faster. They've got to be more aggressive. And until I see that, I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume Monday night that Patrick Mahomes is going to pick him apart. I am. I think I think the Eagles are going to lose Sunday night, and I think they're going to, as they face better and better quarterbacks, they're going to be victimized by the fact they're not covering the pass. There is a little hope with Bradley Roby coming back, hopefully yeah. as a veteran slot corner, and then you think Kevin Byard, you know, with a, an extra yeah. week learning the playbook for the, yeah. the for the defense, maybe they'll shore up that secondary. Yes, th those are the hopes. That's what you hope for. You hope that. Um, Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, will really get them that that he'll start to understand. He's gotta he's gotta get to the quarterback more. Last year they got to it seventy times to the quarterback, but what did they do against Mahomes in the Super Bowl? They weren't getting to him. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm from the Reggie White, Seth Joyner, great teams of the uh, Buddy Ryan in the late '80s even co-tight in the early 90s. I like that kind of defense better, John. I like a team that's blitzing and going after the guy. And I hope they do more of it because they got the talent to make it work. But I'm not sure they will. All right, well, I don't want this to lead to another therapy session for you, but I'm going to mention Jonathan Gannon and Andy <laughs> Reid one more time for you. Um, so Jonathan Gannon's an interesting case because I, I felt overall he did a pretty good job just like Jim Schwartz. But I think the one thing you were good at early on faster than me was identifying, I don't want to call him a phony, but identifying someone who maybe is not authentic. And look, I was on, I was okay with Jonathan Gannon, but once that happened where he was interviewing for the Cardinals job or talking to them before the Super Bowl, and then it comes out, Josh Dobbs and now Kayvon Wallace both say that Jonathan Gannon looked him in the eye and said, you won't be traded. You won't be released by us. And that happened. Did you did you believe he was a phony? Oh God, I met him only one time, John, in the trailer at training camp a couple of years ago, and um, he pointed out that he had a son named Angelo, and therefore I should be kinder to him. And I said, "Well, I'll be kinder to your son. He sounds like a great kid, but you, it's not working for me." <laughs> you know, I never liked John. Is a thing, and you're right. 
the stats were pretty good. I mean, they had good teams and they had talent. I thought the defense on last year's team was even more talented than this one. Um, they had better guys who cover the pass. He didn't make the most of it. Um, he played a he played a bend with don't break. And um, no, I never. I, I liked. You're so much better at being diplomatic. He's not authentic. Yeah, he's not a. He was not authentic in those news conferences every week. Yeah, even then, did you ever get any clarity on what they were doing? I didn't. I like a guy. My favorite sports figure all time in Philadelphia, Doug Peterson, because Doug Peterson, John, he honestly answered questions. We would have him on the day after games, and he would admit mistakes he made. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Andy Reid ever doing that? Yeah. This guy, that's the guy, and he won us the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that that combination. I just like a guy who shows enough respect for the fan to answer a question honestly. You don't have to trash one of your players. You just have to be honest enough so fans have clarity on what happened. He never did that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I held him responsible for that. Yeah, and and you also identified early on. I thought Gabe Kapler overall did a decent job with the talent he had, but of course their teams collapsed in September. Although don't get don't get too crazy right now. Don't end up in therapy again. But but Gabe Kapler, you spotted him early on. Gabe Kapler was a liar. All right, I'll say it specifically. We watched the game. Gene Segura hit a pop up. Andrew McCutcheon was on first. They were paying this guy tens of millions to be there. And McCutcheon had to get off first because Segura didn't run when he hit the pop-up. As a result, they caught McCutcheon in a, a rundown, and he blew out his ACL. So I posed that to the manager, Gabe Kapler, the next day, and he denies the whole thing and said, one plus one doesn't equal two. And what we saw, I'm misrepresenting the situation. I actually said oh, at one point, the game was televised. You understand that, right? You think we, we're watching the game for the first time? We don't know the rules? That's it for me. If you want to break my trust, if you want to break the trust of the fans and lie right to their faces, John, you're going to lose me. My whole thing and all the years I did it was get the answers for the fans because the fans are the only ones that matter. I don't care what the athletes think of me or the coaches or the players. They're, they come and go. Not a one of them was here the whole time, not the whole 33 years. Um, they come and go. The fans, they're always there. That's the person you have to, you know, represent. And that's what I tried to do. And that's why I fought with Kapler. And that's why I fought with all these other guys, because they weren't telling the truth. All right. So so I'm, I'm with you on Gabe Kapler and Jonathan Gannon. But as we're heading Great. into Eagles Chiefs, I... <sighs> I guess I can't say that I understand this, this, I don't know if it's anger towards Andy Reid, whatever it is, because I mean, as far as a coach, I mean, he's going to be a hall of fame coach, top three in wins, maybe when he's done two super bowls so far, what is it about Andy right. that bothers you? Was he honest? You think he was an honest guy or did he become a robot that said the exact same thing after every win and the exact same thing after every loss? I hear did you he, on that. Did he give me answers? But I, I do think his goal was to protect his players and, and not put any of the blame publicly on them. Did Doug Peterson protect his players? I thought he did. But Doug Peterson didn't trash a single player in the time he was here. But he gave us answers. He thought enough of us. 
he understood that the game is for the fans, not for his players. And that, and he gave it to us in a way that was fair to us and fair to his players. Andy Reid didn't give a damn about the fans in this town. I'm positive of that. I talked to him many times. I watched his act on a daily basis for the 14 years he was here. And to this day, John, I do not understand the appeal he has to our city. He didn't win a damn thing here, and he didn't tell the truth once in 14 years. That, to me, is a deal breaker. I have no regrets about hating him. So he did kind of send Doug Peterson to Philadelphia that helped turn it into the first Super Bowl ever in the history of the city. So he laid the foundation for that first yeah. Super Bowl. So now we're going to give him credit because out of the goodness of his heart, he gave us Doug Peterson. Not John, you're such a nice guy. I'm, I'm just <laughs> not that way. I, I don't look at things that way. The, the, Doug Peterson came here because he had a better opportunity. He finally got a chance to be a head coach. And um, Andy Reid had nothing to do with it in my mind. I don't, I don't even think he was calling the plays when he was with Reid. I think Reid was. Now, Reid lied about that at the end of the tenure. He said that Doug was. Doug wasn't called a place. I will say this about Andy Reid as a person, though. Uh, when Brian Dawkins was going into the Hall of Fame, and I think there was another situation, they were in the middle of camp at Kansas City, and Andy got a private plane for himself and anybody else from Kansas City, and they came right. at night after practice, came to Canton, Ohio. Not easy to get in, in and out of Canton, Ohio. I can attest to that. And then they flew back in the middle of the night for the morning training camp practice. I do think that he is a genuine person and looks out for all of his former players. Um, and and, and I, I just think sometimes the public persona of the press conferences uh, in Philadelphia mm. is valued a little too much. That's my only opinion. Well, it's not valued too much if that's the way you're going to convey information to the fan base. Those fans fill every seat, every game, and have, God, 25 years now? There hasn't been a seat available for an Eagles game? Um, you can be honest with him. That's not asking that much. So you just Plus wanted him to be a little more open and honest publicly. I think it's their responsibility. God knows he made enough money. Uh, Philadelphia gave him an opportunity before anyone else did. And um, he didn't win. Let me check. No, no, no championship rings while Andy was here. Sorry. I have a, I have high standards for that stuff. And uh, Andy didn't meet them for me. I know he did for you, but doesn't make me feel any better. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I need therapy now. You shouldn't have brought this up. Now I need, uh, let me call Dr. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to have like an alert here, like no. uh, setting off some of these things here. Get a stress ball or something. Um, so so I'm interested in knowing, Angelo. Um, I was always an admirer of yours for your longevity in this town and being the voice of this town on the radio. And one thing that I marveled at as a guy who works through the 11 o'clock news, how did you get up that early for that long? And have you adjusted at this point? Uh, John, I got to tell you the truth. I, I don't know either. 
Because once I stopped doing it, I went, 2.30 in the morning, I'm playing catch-up on all these sports events the night before, unless it was an Eagles game, then I would stay up, or Phillies in the playoffs. Um, I did it because I did it. I have a good answer for this, because I've watched you for a long time, John. And I was with a bunch of kids yesterday at Rowan University, and they wanted to know what's the secret of succeeding in the media. And it's probably applicable to any career. And, and what I know about you is that you love what you do. It comes through every single day. I see the joy you have with delivering the sports news and working the work in the locker rooms and work in the airports for stories nobody ever gets except John Clark. And I said to them, I, I love doing it. I loved that I had this responsibility to help set the agenda on what fans cared about in Philadelphia sports was such an honor to have that opportunity for that many years that I never took it for granted. And I never, and, and I was insecure enough as a broadcaster because I really was a newspaper writer. Um, I always made sure I had everything prepared and over-prepared so I wouldn't get caught. You know, I was just insecure in doing the job. I wasn't a broadcaster. So I had to over-prepare for a long time to feel the security that I could do a good show every day. Well, you did an incredible show, and I appreciate the compliment as well. I've always been an admirer of you and your work ethic. I don't think anybody understands how tough it is to have a mm -hmm. grasp of everything that went on in the games the night before, and you're up talking about them and setting the tone for the day. Or to fake it so well they can't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> there's some of that too john yeah yeah well they say they say the most important part of broadcasting is sincerity and once you can fake that you've got it made <laughs> you're, right. you're right you know what i told the kids last night i said i don't know what courses you're taking but before you leave this university you need to take at least one course in drama you'll get up on a stage learn to perform because it, it is a part of it. You, you can tell people who have that skill, including yourself, and people who don't develop that and just kind of um, spout statistics and do things like that. It has There's such an important element of entertainment to what we do. You have to have that element or you're not going to be as successful as you could be. And that's a message. You know, Love what you do and perform it. And you're on your way. That is a great message. And and by the way, those compliments, I really appreciate them. So I'm going to give you an extra plug. <laughs> Loud is the book from Angelo Cataldi. Yes. And Angelo it, for it 30 plus out. years. There we go. It we comes see out in November. It comes out on November 28th, but it is available now at my website, AngeloCataldi.com. And I personalize every one. And you want to know the first request I got to personalize. It's to say bleep Dallas, John, but not the word bleep. They want, and and what do you think? Do you think I put that word down? Did I write that word in the book? I'm guessing yes. As soon as the check cleared, it was in there. <laughs> Celebrity cook Steve Martirano brings his Italian-American cooking back home to Philly. Enjoy Martirano's prime at Rivers Casino and Steve's famous meatballs with the Sunday gravy, prime steaks, and more. Make reservations for Martirano's Prime on Open Table. I've been to his spot in Fort Lauderdale. It is great.
couple more questions before I ask you another question about the book. I, I'm fascinated from growing up here about the dynamic of a Philly sports fan. Um, it is passed down through generations, obviously through families. When you came yeah. to Philadelphia, was that the approach you had as a broadcaster or did you sense, you know, how the Philadelphia sports fan was and how intense and how passionate the sports fan was. And you adapted to that in the way you did your broadcast. Yeah, I didn't totally know what I was getting into. I grew up in Rhode Island and um, I wanted to work here because it had a reputation for being a very tough sports media town. And I wanted to do it that way. And um, when I got here, I, I I learned quickly. I covered the Eagles when Buddy Ryan was named the, the coach. And I got to see the fan response to him. And it was remarkable because he wasn't even that successful. I mean, he made the playoffs a couple of times, but he didn't win any playoff games. But I saw how important the Eagles were. And what Buddy did, he took a sport that they loved and made it even more passionate. They loved it more by the time he got out of here. And I realized then that um, I was going to have to channel that if I ever did anything like radio. Then I got the break of a lifetime. I got to work for two years with a guy who knew this city inside and out and understood the passion as well as anybody, Tom Brookshire. And Brookie was a player. Brookie was a network broadcaster. And then he starts this sports radio station, WIP. And um, I got two years with him. And I watched him, John. And this was a guy whose number was retired. He's a guy who um, he, he accomplished everything you could accomplish in both football and broadcasting. And he would get there at four o'clock every day. And he would have this yellow legal pad. And he would prepare for two hours what he was doing. Prepare every interview. Prepare all the topics he was going to do. And I just watched the way he did it. And when I said something stupid, which was often early in the time I was with him, he would school me and he would say, you can't do that with these fans. You you give these fans what they deserve. You give them honesty. You give them your honest opinion as well as you can say it. And he's the one that sent me in the right direction. It took a long time to get all the way there, but I couldn't have, I couldn't have had a better mentor than Tom Brookshire. Well, you were an excellent interviewer during your time all those years on WIP and you always got the answers the fans wanted. Uh, it's interesting to me though, when you see Trey Turner this past year, get a standing ovation from the fans, helping him out of a slump last year, Alec Bohm the next night gets a standing ovation. Do you think when the Eagles won their first Super Bowl, the biggest victory in the history of Philadelphia sports, did it change everybody at all? That's a great question. Something did. it's sure in heck wasn't me. <laughs> I didn't, I never changed, John. And, um, you know, people ask me if um, I knew for sure um, I had retired at the right time. And I knew for sure when on my radio station, WIP, they led this campaign to cheer Trey Turner when he had signed a $300 million contract. It was hitting like two thirty, right? And I went, well, I wouldn't have done that. And then I went, if I was still on WIP, I would have attempted to sabotage it. I would have gotten fans to stand up and boo the guy, you know? And then what happens? He becomes the player they thought they were signing when they got him. 
that was not going to ever happen for me. So uh, that if any, if I needed something to prove to me, I was a dinosaur that did it because I went and Jack Fritz, the guy who led it, the producer, he was my intern. <laughs> Clearly he learned nothing under my rule, right? I mean, he didn't pick up any. Yeah. How would somebody that I taught do that? <laughs> but it worked. So you know what that tells me? It tells me my time was up. I I bow to them because that guy became one heck of a player after that ovation. But it was not my style of sports talk. <laughs> I was more, I was the one who led the idiots to boo Donovan McNabb at the 1999 NFL draft. Yeah. That's my legacy. <laughs> and it's not a proud, it's so, bad. So, so That's not think, good. That was a bad moment. Yeah. Do, do you think then, for whatever reason, now maybe the cheer is uh, pushing out the boo a little bit, that there's more wow. of that now? I think your, your point on 2017 is a great one because – that was the that was the um, holy grail. That was the ultimate. Our uh, number one sport is the Eagles. They had never won a Super Bowl. They were not supposed to win that one. They were facing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and they won it. And maybe everybody just said, "See, we have to be nicer." Maybe, or maybe it was subconscious. Clearly, it's a gentler, kinder fan base than it was. Um, in the 1990s, probably in the 2000s. Um, somewhere along the way, it began to evolve. It may have started with 08 when the Phillies won, but you're right that something, or maybe just the younger generation is is nicer. You know, they're, they're so locked in with um, um, social media and TikTok and all this stuff that maybe sports isn't the religion it was for the older generations. I'm not sure. 17 had to have had some effect on our attitude overall, but I never considered that it might be the deciding factor. I don't know. I just know that it was the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I always thought <laughs> tough love was a Philadelphia thing and you were the epitome yeah. of tough love. Um, but maybe, Maybe Philly saw like, hey, we're booing Trey Turner. It's just not pulling him out. And he, he, you see the eyes and you're just like, okay, he doesn't believe in himself now. We got we to gotta find another way here to get him out of this. So, you know, maybe we're evolving. Yeah, we're evolving. Once I got out of the way, we're evolving. <laughs> believe me, I would have made trouble there before that event. <laughs> I guarantee you that. That's I'm glad funny. I wasn't there for that because it worked out well. <laughs> That's funny. So who do you think will be the next Philly sports team that wins a championship? You know, until the Sixers traded Harden, I would have said the Eagles. But now, I mean, you realize right now as we do this, Eagles are 8-1, and Sixers are 8-1. and That's pretty cool, right? And – we're seeing a second major superstar emerge in Tyrese Maxey. No question about it. So if you've got Maxey and Embiid, and now you've got a great supporting cast because you brought a lot of role players in when you traded Harden, and you have a coach who I think is great, Nick Nurse, you might have it. You might this. All right, you're putting me on a spot here. I think the Sixers do it this year. And all the people that love the process 
emerge from the with the woodwork and 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 do a testimonial one last time to Sam Hankey. This is the year the Sixers win it. How's wow. that? That could that could happen. Wow. Could, they look good. They do look. You know, of course, you'd ask me next week after they lost a couple of games. I have a different opinion. <laughs> but right now, Sixers win it this season. They're the next team. Boom. We have our promo now. I love it. All right. Eagles are not winning it this year. They can't cover the pass. Sorry. All right, but, but don't you think, don't you think that that's secondary? They haven't been together at all. They've had 15 different defensive backs. You don't think they can start to gel together when they finally have the same lineup no. back there together? Jalen Hurts has covered a multitude of sins through the first nine games. I love Jalen Hurts. I'm so happy that the Eagles have a franchise quarterback who can do everything that he could do and has that attitude. His attitude is a winning attitude. I love this guy. But he's going to once again be undermined by the defense that will not and then I hope Howie Roseman will plug the final holes in this roster and they'll be ready because um, most of the other pieces are in place. But I watch these games, John. I go nuts with the wide open receivers. I go yeah. crazy. I guess 400 yards, 420 yards passing yards. How? How can we do that? The Eagles won a Super Bowl doing that, but I wouldn't try it too often. You know, no, that's that's going to hurt. They're going to fall short again this year. They're going to. They're going to have a good run, but they're going to fall short. How about the Phillies? I mean, when when you talked about the Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs, and then they came back home up 3-2 on the Diamondbacks, and that is one of the more disappointing home collapses right. I have seen. Where does that rank? Uh, John, I didn't, I didn't think it was possible with Harper there. Harper is such a great leader and such a, a, a determined athlete and star athlete. Um, I was shocked by what happened those last two games against Arizona because the, the World Series would have been a lot better one with the Phillies going against Texas. I don't know who would have won, but the Phillies would have given them a better shot. Um, you know, this is not going to sound right, but I think it's a plus that they'll that they're going to lose Nola. Nola's going to sign somewhere else, and they're going to pick up a better number two starter behind Zach Wheeler. And um, they're going to need a closer because Kimbrough was running on fumes at the end. But I love their lineup and I love Harper. I just think Harper, what a, you know, who thought when they signed him to 300 million that it would be a bargain, yeah. you know, but that guy has been everything we could have hoped he was. And I don't see him leaving at the end of his career without a ring or two. He's just too, too big a star. I love watching him play. So I'm thinking they're going to do it in the next couple of years because they're going to have a better starting rotation and a deeper bullpen. And that lineup will not have the problem. The last game, John, all they did was swing at garbage. Yeah. They were they were definitely feeling the pressure that moment. I don't think that'll happen again. Harper won't let it. So that's an interesting thing, Angelo, because we saw that happen. And Dave Dombrowski even said it publicly that when you lose game six at home and you have game seven at home, the pressure is on you. We saw that happen in those NFC title games with the Eagles under Andy Reid. We saw it happen with the Phillies. Do you think sometimes the fans are so great at home that the players mm -hmm. want to win so badly for the fans and themselves and maybe feel a little pressure that maybe it becomes too much. Cause I, I definitely saw them, as you said, swinging it pitches way out of the strike zone. 
Don, the atmosphere in the playoffs the last two years for the Phillies is one of the biggest surprises for me. I mean, I knew baseball was still a big deal in the city, but when they got to the playoffs last year and they beat the Cardinals in the first round and those crowds got so loud, I mean, insanely loud, louder than, I mean, you're at these events as loud, if not louder than Eagles crowds. And, and then this year they replicated, they came back and did it again. And they were a huge advantage, but you're right. If you're in front of those guys and you're flailing and you're missing, now you're looking around and going, I'm letting these people down. So yeah, I think it might've had some sort of an effect. But I don't think it'll have that effect again. I think they'll Dombrowski is a really good GM and he'll find people who will have that same look at Harper in the big moments. Was he not there? He was there most of the time. And um, I think they'll I have a lot of faith. And and Rob Thompson, I'm not thrilled with all this analytic stuff he does and all, but what a steadying influence he is. And I think that's the right guy for the team. They have a shot too. How about this? I had two championships. In 132 seasons, John. <laughs> How about two in the next year after I leave? <laughs> More people therapy. Remember, people will remember me as the jinx. <laughs> but it'd be cool. I'm a fan now. It'd be fun. Is there any difference when you watch these games now? When you watch the Eagles? When you watch yeah. the Phillies in those big moments? You know, it's weird, John, when I, especially the Eagles, the Eagles, I have the most emotional commitment to. And when I watch now strictly as a fan, I get more frustrated. When I was doing it as a talk show, part of what I was doing was preparing the next show and getting the talking points and the themes. Now I'm just watching and getting frustrated and they've won every game but one. You know, I mean, I just, yeah, I'm a... I may have been a negative uh, talk show. I'm an even more negative fan. You wouldn't <laughs> want to be around me. And I brought some of my callers in for a couple of the games. I brought Eagles Shirley in. They came to my house. Get out. Austin Arnie, Kenny from the Dirty 30. I brought them there. And they saw me and went, I don't think I want to do this again. This is really, <laughs> this is impeding my my fun with watching the Eagles play. I'm a terror. You don't want to be around me during a game. It's bad. It's real bad. That's pretty cool, though. You you actually had some of your yeah. listeners in your home to watch the games with you. That is pretty cool. Yeah, that's authentic. Well, I, have no, I have no actual friends, John. So I had to go somewhere <laughs> to get people in. <laughs> They're contracted as listeners to come to your house. <laughs> right. I said, please come to my house. I'm buying. They showed up once. <laughs> That's great. Hey, by the way, I, I do want to bring up, it's funny because I learned something from you. Do you remember way back when we kind of got off on the wrong foot? Do you remember that? Mm -mm. Okay, well. But you got to understand, that happened with a lot of people in me. <laughs> what happened with us? All right, so <laughs> there was a conference call with Ed Wade, Philly's general oh. manager. And he didn't make the deal at the deadline that everybody wanted. He traded for a couple of pitchers. They actually pitched pretty well. And there was a conference call, and we were all lined up to talk to Ed Wade and ask him a question. I think I was, you know, mid-20s, right back in my hometown in Philly. And Jan Gorham, Jan Gorham, she was oh. tough. <laughs> yes, she sure was. So 
she said, she hops on and says, Ed, are you willing to now or willing to now admit you're incompetent and no longer deserve to be in the job? <laughs> so, this is coming back to me. <laughs> so it was dead silence uh, with everybody on the conference call. And I even heard some gasps. And then I believe I was next in line to ask a question. I don't even think Ed answered it or said anything. And it was just a reflex, a human reflex. And I said, oh, so, sorry yeah. about that. So, Ed, and I went on and asked my question. Now, that was a human moment. I was wrong for doing that. But, man, you went after me, I think, for like three, four hours. And they ripped me for a weekend. Yeah. Um, but I so, learned. No. I learned. I that learned from was, that. No, I, I, that, that was, when was that? Like the 90s, right? That was 1990s. No, no, no. I, I, I like 2000, you, maybe like 2002, 2003, something like that. Maybe 2004. Um, but, but I learned I from that. Was, no, I thought I had stopped being a jerk by then, but I guess <laughs> it kept going for quite a while. John, back then, man, you know, it's uh, in the book, I talk about why I'm that way. All right. I went to Columbia. Um, graduate school of journalism. And I go in the first day to see my advisor. And I tell my advisor, my dream is to be a sports writer. And I, I mean, he was mortified because you don't go to Columbia for that. You go to Columbia <laughs> to be a managing editor or to be a foreign correspondent or some big shot. And he promised that I wouldn't say anything. He, he made me promise that I wouldn't ever tell anyone at the school that I wanted to be in sports. And then he made me promise that if I did do sports, that I would go into it and grill people the way you would grill somebody you were covering at the White House or at the Pentagon or or even at City Hall. And he made me do that. And that was where the beginning of this hold them accountable act started. And it filtered down to the point where I no longer cared how rude I was being. And I had no right to do that. I would like to publicly apologize for being a jerk that day. I learned I, a lesson. 25-year-old guy. Geez, you think I could show a little sympathy? You <laughs> love coming back home and you felt happy about it, right? However, you must also understand that I couldn't have loathed Ed Wade any more than I did because he was another phony here in this town. And the fact that you threw him a life raft I'm sure really upset me in the moment. Jan, on the other hand, I, I'll say this. You said I was a tough interviewer. I was nowhere near as tough as Jan Gore. And um, I, you know, I'm sure I would have embraced her question and not at all embraced what happened after that. So I'm sorry about that, John. I was wrong. No, and, no, and listen, I, I learned a lesson. I learned a lesson from it. It it is not my place to comment at all about. Yeah anybody else's question. And that was a human, right. you know, uncomfortable reaction as other people were uncomfortable right. a little bit, but I should have never, I should have never even spoke to that or had a reflex to do that. Just go on to your question. That's it. So I learned something. John, I believe that if it happened today, you would still do it because underneath it all, you're a good person before anything else. And I think you would have felt sympathy in the moment. I really do. I don't, I, I think it was a human reaction to it and you had every right to have that reaction. Yeah. But I, I did learn from you. I learned, I learned, uh, and I, and I believe me, I probably I, the I, wrong things, John, probably the wrong <laughs> things.
Uh, well, I'm telling you, um, what an incredible career. I mean, I, everybody that gets into this business would love to have the career you had here in Philadelphia and, and speaking for the fan always. And, and I'm telling you, when, when I would hear your interviews, I, I would learn from your interviews about trying to elicit that answer that everybody wanted to know. Um, and you did it your way and you did it loudly. So this book, this book is a great title, Loud. And uh, is this almost cathartic for you doing this book? Like, how has this helped yeah. you in retirement? It really was, John. When I finished, I had set my own deadline on it because I wanted it to come out the same year that I retired. So, I mean, I literally retired on a Friday, Saturday morning. I sat down right at this computer and I began writing it. And um, they wanted 80,000 words. And they said, I had Triumph Publishing in Chicago that was willing to do it if I presented it to them by the first week of April. So I really had seven weeks. And I wrote 2,500 words or so a day. And um, it was so much fun. I can't, it was like reliving all of it, you know, all these nutty things that happened. Um, the wing ball and all the insanity that took place there, the good and then at the end, the bad. Um, and I got to relive it for like six or seven weeks. And it was it was the most fun I ever had. And when I was done, I went, you know, I don't think this ever happened to me when I was a writer. I felt like I had told my story the way I wanted it to be told. It didn't, I mean, they edited it. They fact-checked it. There was plenty of that going on. But the basic outline of what I did is the way the book was finally published. And that's what makes me so happy about it, that I dedicated it to all the fans because they gave me that career. I didn't. That they embraced me, some guy from Rhode Island who was not even the president of the chess club. I was the vice president. I was the <laughs> biggest nerd you would have ever seen in your life, John, believe me. And um, they gave me a great career and, and I have nothing but a debt to pay for them. And I hope the people that read the book will understand how much I respect and admire the passion they have in our city. That is great. And, and I'll tell you, it's even more of a compliment, Angelo, from growing up here all my life. You know, these towns in the Northeast, they love people who are from here. The fact that yes. you and Al Morgani, guys from New yes. England, came in here and had the most successful sports talk radio show for 30 plus years. That is an amazing compliment. It is. But you should know that two years into our tenure here, two years, it was 1994. Um, I got, I was contacted by WEEI in Boston and they made me a very good offer with Al to move back home. And I said, hell yes, because it was good money. And Al went, hell no. He said, I am not doing this kind of radio in my hometown. I, for all you want to say about my loyalty and my love for Philly and all, I was ready to run at the first extra dollar I could find <laughs> four years into my tenure here. So I, it, one of the things people learn in this book is how influential in a positive way that man Al Morgani was because he made all the big decisions. He knew what the right moves were to be made. And um, even though I hardly ever see him now or talk to him now, there's a big debt there too, John. He was real. He's really smart. He knew what to do. And I just, after a while, I just said, Al, what are we doing here? And then he would tell me. Right? <laughs> That's and amazing. then on the air, he would say, he would say very little on the air, right? But off the air, he was the brains. So 
So like the Allen Iverson trade that was shut down by Matt Geiger, Al Morgani yes. is like the Matt Same Geiger thing. saving you. Same thing. Al Morgani <laughs> is Matt Geiger in this story. You're right. I never he thought blocked, of that. You're right. He blocked the I move. was out of here. I was done. You understand? I had both of my suitcases packed. <laughs> Went, oh, we're going to make some real money, Al. <laughs> no. End of deal. You know what? You are the smartest man ever for listening to Al Morgani. Notice I'm saying it now, but not when I was doing the show. <laughs> they would see what a turncoat I actually was. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. That's a great story. Um, once again, the book is loud. And uh, Angelo, congrats on the book. That's amazing. And uh, enjoy retirement. Hopefully I see you on the shores of Seattle City again soon when it's warmer. Yeah. Um, you are a main attraction on that, on that shoreline. I will say that, John. And and thank you so much. And just know that despite our bumpy start, I am now a huge fan of your work. I think you're awesome. And I really appreciate you having me on today. That really means a lot to me. Um, and, and I learned I learned a lot from you. And congratulations on incredible career here in Philadelphia. Come on. We accepted two guys from Boston. I, I mean, knew? it doesn't Who happen knew? like that. Yeah. Um, no. It probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Um, congratulations on the book once again from Triumph Books, Angelo Cataldi. Loud. Go get it. Thanks for your time. And you can get it at AngeloCataldi.com if you don't want to wait a couple weeks. I'm also, my wife is telling me, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, which is news to me because I didn't even know I was on those things. <laughs> but thank you, John. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks a lot for the time, Angelo. Great catching up with you. Take care. Yeah, just... I'm so flagrant.